who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hi, and welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and empowering you, the listener, to knowing and impacting the world around you. As always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Follow us on all the social media. On Facebook, we are at the Zero Network. On Twitter, uh, at Zero Radio, at Lorenzo T. Neal. Everywhere else you find us, we are there. We're glad for you. If you haven't done so, I want to invite you to go and become a patron. Go to patreon.com. Sign up for one of those tiers for as little as a dollar a month. This is a list of supported show. We appreciate you so much today. We are already in the middle of February. Can you believe that? And Valentine's Day is coming up. So while you love birds, we'll be up in the breeze, in the winds with love. I want to recognize two people uh, black Americans that we have to give thanks for in this month of February. That is the persons of the right Reverend Richard Allen, who is the founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, when in 1787 he walked out of St. George's Church in Philadelphia and along with others formed the Free African Society leading up to the, uh, the founding of Bethel Church, which he used, he, he formed out of a uh, blacksmith workshop and and later on 1816 incorporated all the churches who shared like minds and faith into the African Methodist Episcopal Church that has been going on for now over 200 years. Also the person of the Frederick Douglass Frederick Douglass renowned orator philanthropist, chaplain uh, uh, advisor to President Lincoln and suffragists, he was all of it. But it's because he stood up for rights. He was a slave who got his freedom. Well, he escaped to freedom. And he wrote about it. He spoke about it. He stood up for it. And he fought until his death to ensure that uh, black people would have rights, not just to exist, but to also engage in the civic and civil community and we have to thank those two men for their liberating lives and we stand on their shoulders as we continue to pronounce and denounce we pronounce justice for all and denounce injustice for all amen amen listen i got an excited show we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into 
the wonderful guests that I have uh, ready for you guys. The last two years have been trying for all of us, and many, including myself, have sought off help from the wonderful therapists at BetterHelp. With thousands of professional therapists available, you can get quality and affordable counseling from the luxury of your home on your computer, mobile device, or tablet from someone near you. Help right at your fingertips with BetterHelp.com. I'm Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I speak with my fellow clergy about a way to enhance your life and ministry. Are you looking to better connect with yourself and those you minister to? When was the last time you explored your emotional intelligence and health? I want to offer you my service as a coach and counselor. I've developed a six-week coaching program with a specific focus on self-differentiation. My background in education, leadership, and community counseling psychology gives me a unique look to the connection between our emotional wellness and our ministry, blending spiritual principles with a family system's approach to ministry. I will help you become a highly self-differentiated person with a ministry that is engaging, liberating, and transforming. Contact me at PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com to schedule your first session with me. I'm looking forward to hearing from you and working with you to serve this Again, welcome to Zero Today. I am your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, and I'm excited to be back. And I'm excited to have you back wherever you're listening. I have a very special guest I'm ready to bring up um, that I think will be, uh, how can I put it? I'm excited because this is a subject we're about to breach that we all talk about. And probably all do. But anyway, we're going to be talking about sexuality and the full spectrum of black sexuality. And my guest that I have to talk about the full spectrum of black sexuality is Miss Duchess Cashmere. She's a griot erotica <laughs> producer of the Cashmere uh room podcast her podcast she talks about a whole lot of stuff but she does poetry erotic stories uh and monologues i'm gonna let her tell you about all the stuff that she does and yes her stuff 
sometimes can be NSW. You don't know what that means? That means not safe for work. <laughs> and I'm just excited. Uh, I'm going to bring her up. And we're going to get into this conversation because as pastor, I, I know people always do this. Talk about like we don't do it for whatever reason in the church. So that's why we're going to do this. That's why we're going to do that. Anyway, uh, I have one now, Miss Cashmere. Hey, Miss Cashmere, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Good evening. Thank you for having me. Um, my name is Duchess Cashmere, and I am the griot erotica. Uh, griot is an African word. It is the art of community theater. It comes from Africa, and it is the storyteller of the particular tribe. And I, I write uh, erotic stories, sexy stories, and poetry and monologues. So, and they, they are NSFW, meaning not so, safe work. They are perfect for pillow talk with your spouse. All right. See, talk with spouse. I don't have a spouse yet. Yet. Okay. Yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Pillow talk does sounds good. Um, yes. So, tell, give me the background. How did you get into this? How did you uh, discover your erotic griot self? And what, uh, what brought about it? Gotcha. I have a background in community theater. I live on the Mississippi Gulf Coast, and I've been in lots of plays, and I a play called Four Color Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow is Not Enough. And I was doing that right before COVID. And if you've ever seen that play on stage, it's a story per se. It's a collection of short stories and poems. So that's where I got the inspiration to do this kind of work. And with erotica, I can use my imagination and talk about all manner of things. Even if I haven't done it, I can look it up and find out about it. See, that's the interesting thing. You know, being a creative myself, I, I like the fact that we can we can escape from our own semi reality and and invoke characters within us that you know people might find interesting. And mm-hmm. I I think that's a good background for you to develop this uh this erotic real personality. Now explain what is um the griot erotica, what is that character and why why did you go into that particular field of of arts and um and, and all of that okay um the character duchess cashmere she is a a strong woman she is married she is a dominatrix and she lives a very full life 
and she has lots of sexual adventures all over the world and some of them are taken from my real life i just add a little extra something or another to it you know it's i make it in a fantastic place instead of right around the corner at my house and i got into erotica versus just regular literature because it interests me and i do do regular monologues and regular poems i did a couple of black history pieces and a a couple of women's empowerment pieces on my podcast and I have one piece that is very personal about a trauma that I endured as a child and then I do I do some education pieces where I you know um sex positivity is popular on the news and on social media today, but I don't want people to, I want to give people good information. So like before I talk about a subject or I tell a story about a subject, I go and research what that particular sexual subject is about, the ins and outs of it before I tell the story and try to try to give the people some education. Okay. So let, let let's jump right into this conversation. You know, okay. uh, the reason I really wanted, I discovered you, and I listened to your podcast. I really enjoy the storytelling. I, it, you know, it's along the veins of uh, eroticas like the author Zane and um, mm-hmm. who else? Uh, Honeybee. Uh, uh, a lot of people. I can't even think of them. I, 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 I call myself the female Dolomite because that Dolomite is one of my inspirations. I grew up, I'm probably aging myself a little bit, but I grew up watching Rudy Ray Moore and black exploitation movies. So it, 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 it's, it's, it's in that vein. Wrong folk talk. Yes, it's in that vein. Hey, hey, go. Don't feel bad. One of my nicknames my uncle gave me was Petey Weestraw, the devil son-in-law. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I watched Petey Weestraw many a times. <laughs> I think I've been traumatized because of that. But the reason <laughs> I really wanted, I really wanted to have you on, is because as pastor and as faith leader. One of the issues that I think is plaguing our communities is this idea of sexual repression. And uh, the other thing is black femicide. We have a lot of issue with uh, females uh, in abusive relationships, females mm-hmm. in um, domestic violence relationships. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, we know this is happening and people don't want to talk about it, but sometimes the sexual uh, experience of an individual plays into how they get into those negative relationships and how those negative relationships 
in turn impact not just the community, but for me as a pastor of the church. Yes. Uh, I just wanted to breach this topic because we are all sexual beings. Mm-hmm. And I don't care, you know, I know we're sexual beings. My great grandparents had 19 kids. And it just my, it didn't start it didn't start in this day and age. It's been going on a right. long time. It's been going on for a long time. And not only that, but you know, erotica is in scripture and the much people want to think the Bible is, is all good and pure and holy. They've never really read Song of Solomon. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> or, you're right. You know, chapters in Proverbs, you know. Okay. Not the Levites country. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even get on that. But, they, you know, so it's not like the Bible does not discuss human sexuality. It's in there. You're right. And I don't know why we preachers don't want to preach about it, except for the only time we preach about sexuality is the story of the woman who gets caught in adultery. Yeah, that's the only yeah, one so of those. Or, or, or I take it back, David and Bathsheba. Those are the two stories yes, we love. Because those are the two stories that direct that deal directly with human sexuality and infidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, ain't no reason David is standing on his rooftop looking down to a woman bathing, and mm-hmm. y'all know the rest and of had her. Had her husband killed behind it. Exactly. So I really wanted to breach this topic of human sexuality, more specifically black sexuality, because we, uh, whatever reason, we act like sex does not happen. And I'm not talking about, you know, for the older generations, it was private. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, (laughs) ain't nothing... Nothing been private since RJ, <laughs> what, what Ray J and Kim Kardashian made that yes. tape, uh-huh. you know, or the, or the R. Kelly tape, or any other celebrity tape that's come yes. out. Nothing else private, you know. Yes. <laughs> so I, I just wanted to reach this subject. So let's let's talk about it. What do you think overall? Uh, black people are still somewhat sexually repressive, regressive, or uh, what's the other word I'm looking for? Kind of ignorant about it. Or or playing ignorant. Why do you think that? Gotcha. Uh, To me, that answer is simple. I think that we as a culture are suffering from generational PTSD. I know in the church, we call that generational curses, but from my understanding, that's PTSD. We as a people saw horrible things done to our husbands and our wives in a sexual manner. Women were taken up to the big house, quote unquote, uh, elevated and raised up to work in the big house thinking, well, you know, we getting some favor, but at the same time, she's going to the big house to be raped. 
by master and forced to have children by master. And then uh, masters taking the, the men of the family and raping them in front of all of the slaves, demasculating them. So I think mentally, because as a people, we saw all of that, those slaves shared those stories with their children on down to their children. Don't do that type of stuff because that's what master used to do to grandma back in the day. And I think that's a big reason why we are repressed sexually because we think and we've been taught that it's this ugly thing when it's not this ugly thing because if God didn't want us to have pleasure, then we wouldn't have a clitoris. And that's all that a clitoris does is give pleasure. Ooh, you said the bad word. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said a bad word. I thought it was a medical term. I'm sorry. My bad. It is. But you know, I'm just messing with you. Yes. So, I, I have to agree with you. There is that generational trauma, especially when it comes mm -hmm. to sexuality and particular mm -hmm. acts of sexuality. Um, and I know in, in the church lingo, we say, according to scripture, we misquoted, but uh, we say the marriage bed is undefiled. And mm -hmm. so it's reserved for that. But we all know uh, the moment that puberty hits, for whatever reason, we all would just want to run and run and and, and, and run. <laughs> and unfortunately, I have to admit, as a pastor and as part of the, I think we're I'm part of the problem because you know we have a lot of clergy that fall into sexual misconduct, in particular sexual misconduct, and we blast it. You know, mm -hmm. in some churches, <laughs> a pastor can sleep with every woman in the congregation and they'll be all right with it. You know, the, the pastor can have children outside of wedlock and they'll be all right with it, but they ain't going to send them away till they mess with the money. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> they'll keep them or her. They'll keep them until they mess with the money. Why do you think that's that dissonance, that cognitive dissonance uh, when it comes to church and uh, the black church religious experience and sexuality? I think black folks are just used to turning a bad eye to things because we don't want to stir up trouble we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to cause attention to ourselves. That's another tactic that comes from slavery. Shut your mouth. Look down. Don't look up. Don't make eye contact. Don't stir up no trouble. Don't ask no questions. Just do what's, just do. Just do what's done and, you know, we'll take it, you know, we'll worry about it later. They, we turn a blind eye like this whole R. Kelly thing. We knew 
we knew all of us as a whole collective, we knew that that was happening. We, some of us bought the tapes and some of us laughed and he heed and ha ha about the tape. And now 20 years ago, you know, we're in outrage and we're want to kill him. We wasn't saying that ago. We turned a blind eye. And I, I, just, I, think, I think that comes from that same don't ask, don't tell culture. Don't, don't rock the boat. Don't tell nobody. We do it to our families. There are predators in our families sometimes still to this day. And we just, we just don't let him around the children. Or we just don't let her babysit the children. But, you know, mm. she still come to Thanksgiving and we're not going to report it to the authorities like we should. We're just not going to let her babysit no more. You, you, you make an interesting point. <laughs> and I'll, you're right. You're, you're right on it. We allow predators and mm-hmm. uh, sexual predators in the church. And unfortunately, and I have to admit it, a lot of them are in the pulpits of the church. And there are some who are deacons. Uh, the story is sometimes the deacons get more <laughs> than, the, than the preacher. <laughs> it, it's just, I don't know why we live with that dissonance. But I, I have been observing, and as a therapist, one of the things I have come to see is this broadening perspective uh, of acceptance mm-hmm. of sexuality. Um, but at the same time, where there's this bonded acceptance of sexuality and it, all of its expressions, there's mm-hmm. still this, there's still some who would like to censure that in its entirety. And we come to discover, you know, they're, well, we call them the hypocrites because they're practicing what they're not. Uh, they're not practicing what they preach. They're actually practicing the exact opposite. We have um, the biggest, uh, the best, and most recent example is Jerry Falwell Jr., who was the former uh, president or chancellor at, at uh, Liberty University. And he came out, there was a scandal that came out because. Um, you know, if you're familiar with Liberty University, it is a very conservative school, and they have strict rules, regulations for students, especially when it comes to moral clauses and behavior. And yet, uh, there was uh, at least reports, alleged reports, that he was allowing his wife to, um, well, they had some type of polyamorous relationship or something. He allowed her to have her playmate uh, person mm-hmm. that had sexual relations with outside of him while he watched or something like that. It was mm-hmm. strange according to some people. And uh, But anyway, um, uh, he was for, he had to resign because of that. Because, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't, up, he wasn't upkeeping the, the moral code that he expected the students to have, you know. Oh, okay. And he he said, "Well, he's not a preacher, so he didn't have to abide by." But 
but it seems that that kind of dissonance and this is predominantly white you know mm-hmm. institution and person but i think when it comes to sexuality we still have that issue you know yes. we want to we don't practice what we preach we're hypocritical in our approach to sexuality and I, I don't know why that is. Well, I think I know why that is. But I'd like to get your insight in, on that, too. Um, ask me the question one more time. Say it to me one more time now. Why do you think we're hypocritical when it comes uh, to what we see and what we say when it comes to sexuality? Gotcha. Why do you think we're hypocritical? Why do we, why we, what we do in our private uh, lives, private mm-hmm. bedrooms, versus what we tell other folk to not do? Mm, okay. I think that we are hypocritical because we're scared of judgment. And we are trying to, you know, everybody kind of wears this mask to where, you know, this is how I have to be at work and this is how I have to be at church. And then when I come home and it should be that whatever you doing is your business, you know, like the situation with the the professor, you know, that kind of sounds a little different to me than when we talk about someone in power taking advantage of someone who is younger than them. That kind of sounds like this situation with this past, this professor kind of sounds like something that, you know, was that really our business to know that? Was that really our business? Because that sounded like agreement that was between them. So I think that, you know, maybe we're just a little bit too nosy. Um, I don't know why are we so, such hypocrites. I We want to put on airs. We want to put on airs and um, portray this way when we're not because we are afraid of being judged. I, I like the the fact that you that word judgment because that's what we're good at in church. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're definitely I think we're the the most judgmental because we've been conditioned to be that way. And I think mm-hmm. we've been be that way based on something you said earlier, you know, most of the black church tradition stems from our interactions uh, or from things that we gathered from our ancestors who were mm-hmm. either slaves or, or even if they were freed, they were still trying to conform to this this Victorian idea of yes. sexuality and they were afraid to explore their sexuality. I think about uh, 
when you when you talk about judgment, particularly now, as um, human sexuality is is the, our knowledge of human sexuality is being expanded upon. Um, mm-hmm. There are persons now and couples now who are deciding that they would be well not uh, polygamous. Polygamy has been around, so that's nothing new, except for here mm-hmm. in the states. You know, mm-hmm. we're still trying to be puritanical about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I. I think that's one thing. The other is the um, polyamorous. Polyamory, yes. Polyamory. Um, and maybe you can explain a little bit more about both of those. Polyamory, the, uh, and this is a new term that, I, uh, not new to me, probably new to some of my listeners, uh, the lifestyle, quote unquote, I'm lifting, That's quote unquote, lifestyle. Can you? Yes, I can. Yeah. So we, when we talk about polygamy, polygamy is one husband with many wives. And generally, these wives do not have sexual intercourse with each other, they're sisters. And they don't have sexual intercourse with any other man. And then you have uh, polyamory, where you may have a, a husband who has a girlfriend and another wife. And then you may have a wife with a boyfriend and another husband. That's many loves. Polyamory, many loves. And then there is polyandry, where you will have one woman who has two husbands, and these two husbands, there's no uh, no going-ons between the two of them. They are brothers. They live as brothers, and they work together to support the wife in the opposite way that polygamy have one husband and many wives. And then the lifestyle is where two married people decide together that they want to bring someone else into their bed. Um, I know a few people who, you know, they'll use that that Bible verse, the marriage bed is undefiled. And they'll say, well, you know, what me and my husband do is between what me and my husband do. As long as we agree and as long as we're not hurting anybody, that's what we do. And that's that that lifestyle. Well, it's just fun. It's not, you know, per se, you're building, you have a boyfriend or you have a girlfriend, you're building a relationship. This person comes over to play and y'all play a few hands of spades. And y'all enjoy the company, and then they go back home. You gotta have the spades. It can't be dominoes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can be dominoes. It can be dominoes. I, I can do dominoes. Dominoes might be better. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, 
So why do you think that this is becoming um, more broadly accepted for younger black people, younger mm -hmm. professional? Why, from my observations, um, most of the younger adults are open to all of that poly, uh, poly, polyamory, polygamy. Mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. sure about the opposite polyagony is that polyandry, <laughs> polyandry, but mm -hmm. in, in lifestyle, why do you think younger blacks are more open to that? Um, older. Gotcha. I don't think younger blacks are more open. I think younger blacks are more open with talking about it and being public and not because you know generally the lifestyle is something that's quote unquote in the closet something that you do behind closed doors you wouldn't tell your your in-laws or your cousins you would tell your cousins that you and your husband did this thing. It was very secret and clandestine. And back in the 70s, they would run secret ads in the back of um, newspapers with cold words in them. So yeah. it wasn't as open. But see, now we live in an age of social media and we just hearing about it more. I don't think more people are doing it. I don't think the younger people are doing it more. They're just more open about it than older people have been. Uh, okay, that makes it, uh, that makes a whole lot more sense now mm -hmm. because, you know, we talked about Dolan Mike and all of that. And mm -hmm. we know that was very much very much happening back then. Yes, it was uh, very much happening. But, you know, there was no way to post a picture about it and millions of people see, oh, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson at a party over at Mr. and Mrs. Wallace's houses. And, you know, it just, it wasn't as talked about. And I find that, you know, these young people are, they're just, they're more open, they're more fluid, um, they're not as reserved as we are, they're, they're, they're a different generation, for sure, for sure, they're different. And you, you mentioned the key word right there, fluid, and um, mm -hmm. this, I, I, I'm struggling with this whole idea of gender fluidity um, mm -hmm. when it comes to sexuality I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm able because of being my training you know, in, in counseling and as a therapist I am able to differentiate but the pastor side of me still <laughs> is like uh, you know be, just be binary you know make it simple for me <laughs> make a decision make a choice you know because you know the word says don't be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, you'll be we you know, we we like to be one or the other. No in between. Mm -hmm. So and I really appreciate that you the way that you just explained how young people are responding. 
responding and open to this is not just in this arena of sexuality, you know, they're all only fans. Uh, yes. They're, they're in chat groups where they can share as much explicit things. They're on TikTok, you know, yes. doing what last year, the year before, they were doing the silly wet silhouette challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Any other challenge that was explicit, and we were sharing it. Yes, yes. I have a, um, I have a twenty, I have a twenty-one year old daughter, and you know we, she share as much as I'm sure any other twenty-one does with their mother. I mean, I we are very open, but there are things that she doesn't tell me. But yeah, they're they're very different. I can my daughter was in seventh, eighth grade. It was okay for certain number of her white friends to use the N-word and she didn't even bat an eye. It was just like, oh ma, you know, we knew it it, it ain't like that no more. So they're they're very different from us. You know, they're very different from us. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> yes. Like I was, I was very like when I the first time I heard it, I was very taken aback, and she was like, "Mom, it's you know we're different, it's not the same." And so, like, and then it was probably I was grown before I ever met a person who was homosexual to know that that person was homosexual. My daughter was probably in. Seven, eighth grade, and she had classmates who identified as homosexual in seventh and eighth grade. Wow. Well, yeah. When I was in education, I, I had that as as far as as young as sixth grade, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was interesting. And Mr. Neal, boy, act. Black like boy, and then I was, you know, I had to get myself together. Like, you know, you know, we come from a different generation because, granted, I say it was, you know, I was probably grown, but like I knew men who were homosexual, and I knew women who were homosexual, but of course, I didn't dare ask them about it, and it wasn't there spoken up about it. It was just. It was a thing, and that's how it was. Don't ask, don't tell. The ladies in the movie, uh, women of Brewster Place, you know, they were mm-hmm. roommates, but they were not roommates. I have a story on my podcast about that, that scene. Um, you know, growing up as a black girl, you know, we're labeled as being sexual beings just because our body develops breasts younger than little white girls do. And that's not our fault. It's not our fault that we got hips and thighs and breasts. That's the hormones and the hair products that's making us develop faster. But now all of a sudden you putting this label on me as fast just because I'm curvaceous. Now, you, you really know, know what fast mean, but you calling me that. 
And you know, you bring up very interesting point, and I'm glad that you you touched on this. You know, thank you. Young black girls seem to develop earlier, mm-hmm. and which we we talked about it earlier. Male mm-hmm. predators, and maybe even mm-hmm. some female predators. Mostly, male predators pick up on that. And you know, don't give the female predator. Don't give the female predators a pass. Don't give it. To oh, them. I'm, I'm it's just as many. It's just as many. Yeah. It's just as many. Oh, yeah. I ain't gonna say. <laughs> but it's the grooming that mm-hmm. um, you know that takes place, like, and it's sad. I I feel uncomfortable now around younger uh, girls and and teenage girls mm-hmm. because, because of this environment nowadays, you know. Yes. God. And, and, you know, it, it, should, it shouldn't be that way. I grew up, I had 10 uncles, but I did not have a father. So having those uncles in my life to show me how... A man should show love to a young girl was very essential. And that's one of the reasons why I am comfortable speaking about my sexuality like I am. Because I didn't have those quote unquote types of uncles growing up. I had some real men as my uncles and real men father figures in my life who taught me how to be and how to act and um I lost my train of thought just that fast. So I can see where you're coming from because you know I, I know a lot of men who are afraid. My husband was a little apprehensive about dating me because I had a teenage daughter. Hmm. Yeah, I, I share that apprehension. That apprehension. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. My girlfriend has uh, two preteens, and you know, not that I would do anything crazy. Really, exactly. it's, just a, it's just the idea that you want to be as protective as you can toward mm-hmm. these young men. Yes, uh, and encourage them to blossom. And try to be as in prohibitive toward predators as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And see, because we're in this culture where fathers and uncles and stepfathers are afraid to show love to these girls, they're missing out. Well, because one, they're afraid the girls need it. And there's this whole disconnect where children cannot be shown love because they're in this such of over-sexualized culture. Hmm. And we're going to close up. Well, we're going to try to close that on this one. Okay. You mentioned, because this is a wonderful segue, this over-sexualized culture. And mm-hmm. we're talking about black sexuality. And yes. it always grieves me that black women have always been 
hypersexualized. And now I'm not going to lie. You know, I think about Pam Greer's and Coffee and Foxy mm-hmm. Brown back in the 70s and mm-hmm. how beautiful they were and how, you know, they became the sex symbols mm-hmm. for for many young men and even me growing up, <laughs> you know. Uh, and now uh, with, you know, I just see some of these young black women. Well, let me just be honest with you. You know, I think I like hearing, I grew up hearing rappers like MC Light and, you know, Salt mm-hmm. Pepper. And then Trina came on the scene. <laughs> Are you going to put it all on Trina? I ain't putting it all on Trina. I'm just saying Trina came on the scene. <laughs> she made a very strong impression. She did. And many of the, of the, contemporary hip-hop women of the day uh, Mm -hmm. following in that now she wasn't explicit as they are today yes and uh, so how how can um, me as a pastor as a community leader how can we help uh, create this uh, a new image for Black girls, black women, you know, one is not as hypersexualized. How, what can, as a pastor, is it even my role to do it? Is it even my role to do it? And uh, if if I should do it, how how should it be done? What what should it look like? Hmm. Um, I would say. As a mother, I always try to have normal sex conversation with my daughter. I never wanted talking about sex to be a hush-hush thing or if you brought it up, it's not, you know, I act ashamed or I act afraid. I always wanted to have normal conversation about it. And I always had several conversations with her. You know, when she was five and six, the birds and conversation that she got was very different from the one that she got at 13, 14. But believe me, you, we was talking about sex and good touches and bad touches at five and six and the Mm. right names of your anatomy at five and six because I wanted her to know that sex is not something that happens to you it is part of your life as a human being and it's something that you need to know how to do just like you know how to cook and not burn your house down. You need to be able to have sex, engage in sexuality in a respectful, private way. Because, you know, now sex is this hidden, forbidden, nasty thing. And it shouldn't be. It should be a natural normal, regular thing. And if it was a natural, normal, regular thing, our children wouldn't be so over-sexualized to do it and show it and see it and feel it. They'd be like, oh, 
Because I've been knowing about that. It's it's not what you think it is. Absolutely. That's that's how old uh, us old men who know we can't get none. <laughs> <laughs> Sex overrated. I, I already had enough. Well, you know, I'm just 45, but I, I'm good. You know, I don't want no more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Look, I have thoroughly enjoyed you, uh, Duchess, and I'm, I'm glad that you were willing to have this conversation with me. Um, I, I know there's so much more. We just really, uh, I just wanted to breach the topic. Yes. Because there's a lot more that we could discuss and maybe I can have you on later uh, uh, one again once again and we can get further into it but tell yes. the people you know tell the people if they want to explore your uh, monologues and all of that how can they access that and if you have any other thing you know that you uh, products or anything you want to offer how can they get Thank that you. You can find the Cashmere Room podcast on Apple. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can follow Duchess Care on Instagram at Duchess underscore Cashmere. And Duchess is D-U-C-H-E-S-S. And if you don't want to be involved in the personality side of Duchess Cashmere. You just want to know when the story drops because you don't want to see you don't want to see Duchess at the club or poolside. You just want to hear the stories. You can follow the Cashmere Room podcast on the Cashmere Room on Instagram. And all it is is just when the story coming out. Um again, the stories are not safe for work, but they are perfect for couples and singles and uh taking long trips to it's like uh audiobooks, it's like adult story time. And let's see, let's see, let's see. That is all. I appreciate you for having me. This what we're doing, talking about sex in a normal, regular way. This is exactly how we destigmatize de sex. And, you know, someone's going to hear this and have an open conversation with their teenager, their spouse, their son, their daughter because of this. So I appreciate you, Dr. Hey. Neal. That is what I am here for. Yes. <laughs> and thank you guys so much. Listen, those of you who are listening, again, appreciate you so much for listening. Make sure you follow me on all my social media. We are on Twitter. The show handle is at Zero Radio on Twitter. My handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal. Uh, on Facebook, we are uh, the Zero Network Go Listen Archive shows from way back. Appreciate that. If you have not done so, I want to invite you to become a patron. Support my show. This is listener supported. I've been doing this for a long time. 
ain't made no money. No, but this is listener support, supported. So become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Sign up for one of the tiers, and we will recognize you for all our new pay, patrons. We recognize you, and uh, thank you for all you do. Uh, that's all I got. Thank you again, Duchess. And please, you know, you'll enjoy it. I, I enjoy it. I ain't gonna lie, I enjoy it. So if I, I enjoy it, and I know it's not safe for work, I know some of you good Christians might might not like it, but hey, it's still good. Thank you so yes. much, and we'll see you next time on Zero Today. <laughs> <laughs>